Have a good, if short, weekend, my brother. Good to see you. I am Chris Cuomo. Welcome to Primetime. Today is day three of this president's active attempt to sabotage this election. This is now his stump selling point. Now, I don't know, you know, with this ballot situation, it's, uh, you're not going to see it. November 3rd, the Democrats are playing games. You see that? They, you see they found ballots in a waste paper basket. They found ballots dumped in a stream. With me, we may end up in a dispute for a long time because that's the way they want it. But we're going to end up winning, that's for sure. The truth is, he's trying to poison as many minds as he can so that if the polls turn out to be right and he does lose, he can cause more chaos. Now, I know his words are often a waste of time, but color me reactionary. I think they belie real efforts by him, his cronies in our government and his campaign to disrupt our democracy. And we are being able to show you more and more of this. And even if you just take his words, as outrageous as they are, but if you look at the actions and his members of his party know what's going on here, and yet they are mostly silent. In a sky that is almost entirely blacked out, we find one lone star, a governor who wants to speak truth to power. Mail-in ballot balloting has been with us forever. And that peaceful transfer of power is what the people of this country rely on when they go to vote. It is appalling and outrageous that anyone would suggest for a minute that if they lose an election, they're not going to leave. So Trump, of course, attacked Governor Charlie Baker. Why? Because if you're not for Trump, you're not a Republican anymore. And you know what? I think the president has a point there. In 2016, remember this. He said it was wrong for a judge to be seated so close to an election. He said it to me on my show. Now he says tomorrow. He needs to do what he said was wrong and nominate a justice. Why? Because he says he needs as many conservative judges on the Supreme Court as possible to have his back if he loses. Multiple senior Republican sources tell CNN the White House is indicating that Amy Coney Barrett, judge of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, is the intended nominee. Senate Democrats now say they're going to press whomever Trump's pick is to commit to recusing themselves if the high court hears a case that could impact the outcome of the election. Do you really think any nominee of Trump's is going to agree to something like that if they want to stay a nominee of Trump's? Come on. And there is much more that you have to focus on tonight. There is an attack the vote campaign by this president and his people, and we can show it to you. You just heard him say there, these ballots, trash, found in the trash, found in a stream. What stream? Here's what we know, okay? And we have an update for you tonight. Nine military ballots from abroad sent to Pennsylvania were improperly discarded 
by a third party contractor who was new to the work. You know who says that? I'll tell you in a second. Trump's DOJ blasted out that seven of those votes were for him. Now, that's an unusual move by a Department of Justice. Okay, they don't usually talk about their in-process investigations, and they're really not supposed to talk about any investigations that are done during an election because they don't want to affect the election. But there you go. But they said more than that. The word from the office is it was done by this third party contractor, that this is how it got in. They have a whole rationale and explanation for it, and it has no proof in it from their own investigation that there was any intent to discard Biden or Trump ballots. Why didn't he tell you that? Why did he add on to what's known? Some stream. Why didn't he say? My own Department of Justice that I had look at it says, why didn't he? We had Pennsylvania's attorney general on the show last night to ask him about it. He told us, if you were watching, that they were ballots from the primary election, but they weren't. They're from the general. It's a meaningful difference. Where did that mix up come from? We're going to get the real deal right now. We have back tonight, Pennsylvania's Attorney General Josh Shapiro. Two things. One, thank you for taking the opportunity to come back. Appreciate that. And two, in advance, pray for us, brother. I know Yom Kippur is coming. I wish you an easy fast, but pray for us all. Pray for us. We all need to atone. uh, And I appreciate any and all prayers. So how do we screw this up? How did we think that they were primary ballots when they were general election? Yeah, look, obviously, last night was so much fun, Chris. So I decided to come back (laughs) for more here. That I've never heard before. (laughs) This is what happens when you have a president create chaos, when you have, uh, you know, some of the leadership of the Department of Justice seemingly get ahead of what really needs to happen in a fact-finding mission, which is to get all of the information. If you recall, when I came on your air last night, there were these two competing press releases that came out. The, the one that I think was left standing actually referenced the primary. And so the assumption was these ballots were from the primary. But you see, I took the time, Chris, to actually chase down the facts and talk to the U.S. attorney and talk to the district attorney and actually found out subsequently that these were military ballots that had already been sent out for the general election. And here's the situation, Chris. We've now learned the facts. We learned, as you said in your promo, this was a seasonal worker who made a mistake. He was caught by the county worker who reported it to his boss, who immediately went to law enforcement, who conducted a proper investigation. And now we know, as I said to you last night, there are clerical issues and there are criminal issues. This was a clerical issue. We got to the bottom of it. And now, even though it's not our investigation, the law enforcement got to the bottom of it. And now any of those people who could potentially be affected, those brave souls who are serving in our military overseas can contact the Luzerne County Board of Elections to determine what next steps they need to take about their ballot. But let's not ignore the broader issue here. While all of this was going on and responsible fact-finding was going on on the ground, we had a president of the United States a White House spokeswoman or whatever her her title is, going out and spewing this irresponsible nonsense, trying to create a narrative that suits his aim of creating chaos in our communities when we should all be taking a deep breath 
and trying to figure out what the facts are. Now we have the facts, and the facts don't meet the president's rhetoric. By the way, Chris, not all that different from the facts surrounding coronavirus. He wants to change all the facts. He wants to ignore all the information, and yet we've got 200,000 dead in this country. People continue to be sick in my state and others. He tries to manipulate facts and create chaos, but at the end of the day, we deal with evidence, we deal with facts, and I think the American people understand that as well. Did they find any ballots in a stream? Now, Chris, and, and in fact, there was some reference made to, to a dumpster or a trash can. Do you know why they made that reference? No. Because the ballots were secured in the receptacle that they were in so that law enforcement could review what happened, right? I mean, think about that for a second. We have a president of the United States putting out these bogus, irresponsible conspiracy theories to stoke people up, to make them feel like somehow their vote, their participation in our democracy is meaningless, to try and take away their power in this process. At the end of the day, the people have the power, and it's up to us on your shows, in our communities, on our timelines, on social media, to deal in fact, not the fiction the president wants us to deal in, to calm nerves, and to focus on protecting our democracy. That's what I'm trying to do as the Attorney General of Pennsylvania, and that's what we need all law enforcement to do. You're familiar with the DOJ and how they work. You think it's odd that they put out a press release saying who the votes were for? I think what's odd. And by the way, they had to change it. First, they said all of the ballots were for Trump, and then they changed it to seven. But why would they even mention that? Look, I have a lot of confidence in the federal law enforcement officials operating on the ground here in Pennsylvania. I work with them every single day, including the United States attorney uh, who's involved in, in this case. We have law enforcement collaboration and cooperation in a good and strong and productive way here in Pennsylvania. What I find remarkable is that before they were able to complete their jobs, the White House press secretary, indeed the president of the United States, jumped it. was out spewing this craziness, making it, by the way, harder for law enforcement to do our job to have integrity in our system and get the answers that the public need to have faith right. in the process. Look, I hear That's you about the job, people on the and ground. The president's making it harder. I hear you about the people on the ground, AG. I'm not. I'm not going after everybody. I'm just saying. I just pulled a couple of things. Okay, this yeah. stinks to me. How this was handled. Not your part. Yeah. You got bad information. It was a mix-up. It happens. Uh, I really, you got my respect for coming back on to talk about it. A lot of people wouldn't. Um, of course. So a uh, pull quote. Uh, Put up the DOJ guidance for me, please. Any criminal investigation by the department must be conducted in a way that minimizes the likelihood that the investigation itself may become a factor in the election. So this could not be less the case. And that's why I don't like them putting out who the votes were for and getting it wrong, by the way, and having to correct it. Especially, you know, the Rod Rosenstein thing. You know, I still have that whole Comey memo in my head. Long-standing policy that we refrain from publicizing uh, non-public information. Yeah, like who people voted for. And yet here, it's sure to seem convenient that that information was put out because it goes hand in hand with what the president wants people to believe. Chris, it's hard to respond to that because it's hard to imagine that we're in this moment in time in our country where there are certain people weaponizing the rule of law and trying to use it as a tool 
to benefit one person or one party over the other. The rule of law is something that is shared by all, Democrats and Republicans. Here in Pennsylvania, we respect the rule of law. And what we're trying to do is stay calm, stay focused on the facts and evidence, try and ignore the noise from the president, and ensure the public that their vote will be counted, whether they vote by mail, whether they vote uh, at a polling place. And that's our job in law enforcement, to kind of rise above the noise of the president, rise above his temper tantrums, and focus on doing the work that the people of Pennsylvania mm. trusted me to do and the American people want us all to do. AG, thank you very much. Again, uh, heading into a very high holiday. Uh, pray for all of us. May you have an easy fast. Thanks, my friend. See all you right. soon. Now, uh, just a quick sum, okay? President puts out there like, I don't know, I don't know. No, yes, you do know. Your DOJ is doing the work on the ground. You jumped them, you got in front of it with I'll never lie to you, McEnany, who sold something that's just completely a false narrative. There is no stream. There's no found in the garbage. They were secured for review. And there is no proof from the feds that there's any evidence or proof that this was done maliciously. So why is he suggesting otherwise? And you know who's really hurting Trump supporters in terms of their vote and securing the franchise in this election? He is by telling you not to vote by mail-in ballot, not to trust it. Listen. You're for Trump, you're for Biden. If you're worried about COVID in your area, look into your state's laws, get a ballot, vote, vote your conscience, vote your heart, vote your head, but vote. Don't listen to him. The system is fine. I can't believe I have to say that, but don't listen to him. The system is fine. We have no proof any other way. Just sowing doubt. That's what this is about. Attack the vote. That's Trump's campaign rally. Attack the vote. And you know what? It is a gift to our enemies. This is exactly what Russia wants us to be thinking and doing, except they thought outside agents would have to make it happen, not our president. So what can we do to secure the integrity of our vote? Let's ask one of Trump's former national security advisors, retired Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster. What a pleasure to have him here tonight. Next. A little bit of breaking news on our watch, actually instructive of a larger point. A federal judge in Montana has just ordered Trump's acting director of the Bureau of Land Management to step aside. Why? Because he's been serving in that role unlawfully for over a year. It is a major blow to the president's attempt to get around the confirmation process. See, he doesn't want top aides to have to be confirmed, especially because of the checked record that he's had and the toxic politics that he promotes. So instead, he installs actings, right? You ever notice that, that we always say the acting this, the acting that? That's why he does it. Montana's Democratic governor sued to remove William Perry Pendley because he'd never been confirmed by the Senate. And that's what's supposed to happen. The Trump administration argued Pendley didn't officially have the title of acting director, so the requirement does not apply. It's a game. And the judge didn't buy it. The court says Pendley's position violates the law. The Interior Department says it will appeal. Now, that's instructive. Okay, uh, two reasons. And then I have a very big segment for you with H.R. McMaster. You heard Harry Reid, former Senate leader, say why he did what he did with the filibuster for executive appointments. Because the Republicans under Mitch McConnell had said, we won't let Obama do anything. And it was working until he changed the rule. This is how this president is getting around finding ways for both sides to accommodate nominees, calling them acting. Very interesting how we got here today, this mess, this chaos. 
It's not a simple path how we got here. It's not going to be a simple path to get out of it. Now, what we know for sure is controversy, chaos all over this Trump White House all the time, especially tonight. Every American intel agency is warning us that Russia wants us to be doing basically what we're doing right now, questioning the legitimacy of our own democracy. Those who know, like our next guest, H.R. McMaster, are trying to get you to see what's going on. He has a new book. I encourage you to read it. It's called Battlegrounds. Trump's former national security advisor lays out Putin's objectives, and they are frighteningly like what we're going through right now. And I'm not blaming the Russians. All right. So let's talk a little bit. The Russians are trying to undermine our democratic process. Right. Listen. I think it's going to be uh, a rigged election. The Russians want to spread disinformation. Right. Listen. When it gets a little warmer, it miraculously goes away. That was about the pandemic. The Russians want to inflame racial divisions. Right. Listen. You're going to destroy your suburbs. The Russians want to discredit the election results, right? Maybe you'll never know the election results. Their greatest tool seems to be our president. General McMaster, welcome to primetime. I don't have you here to talk politics. I have you here to talk national security and policy. Uh, the, and we'll do it through a skeptical dialectic. Oh, Russia. You guys always say Russia's coming after us. They come after us. We go after them. China, North Korea. It happens all the time. It's only being made a big deal now because of Trump and you're trying to get him. That's the only reason anybody cares. It's no worse now than it's ever been. What should people know? Hey, Chris, it's great to be with you. Thanks, thanks mine, for having and me. Thank you. Thanks. We, we, I mean, the history that I tell in Battlegrounds, I mean, the approach that I take is basically to, you know, to, to understand how the past produced the present, right? It's the first step of understanding where we are. I mean, Russia has been trying to disrupt our democracy since the 1920s, but now they have all sorts of new tools available to them, especially the cyber-enabled information warfare that they're waging against us. And as you alluded to, what they're really trying to do is create a crisis of confidence, reduce our confidence in who we are as a people and in our democratic principles and institutions and processes. And they do this with a sustained campaign. And what they try to do is magnify extreme voices on both ends of the political spectrum. And I think that's what we're seeing today in connection with a, a sustained effort to diminish our confidence in our election. Our confidence also, though, in our common identity as Americans. You know, Chris, after the uh, 2016 election, the, the Russian activity went way up. This is the Internet Research Agency, this, this you know, kind of front organization uh, for the, you know, the, the GRU and the SVR, you know, the, 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 you know, the successors to the KGB. And they had a campaign ready to go to say, hey, Hillary Clinton won the election because of a rigged election. Well, actually, when Donald Trump won, it kind of surprised the Russians, right? And so they shifted, they shifted their campaign to, well, Donald Trump would have won the popular vote, right, if, if it hadn't been the, for the election being, for being, being, being rigged. So it, it really is an effort to diminish our confidence in the result. And then what did they do immediately? They immediately supported far-right groups, far-left groups, you know, the resist movement and everything, because what they want to do is to, is to destroy our consensus about what it means to be Americans. I want to talk to you about white supremacists, but hold on a second. This is fascinating. And again, people have to read the book. It's called Battlegrounds. If you care about this, because it's only going to get worse, people are getting more sophisticated. But this is the part, General. The, the idea that uh, 
Um, Russia doesn't really need to do anything. All the words I just played for you came out of the president's mouth. Yeah. And right. you have said here and according to my reporting, when you were in the White House, you got to stop this. Um, you, know, you can make the same point a lot of different ways, but don't tear at this stuff because we're already fighting it back. What does it mean to you to hear the president say the things that you're trying to stop Russia from planting? Well, it's just wrong, Chris, and 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 uh, it's 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 not only regrettable, but it's it's uh, damaging, right, to to our democracy, and kind of plays into our enemy's hands and into Russia's hands. This is true, though. Chris, across the across the political spectrum, right? The president says things that are damaging, and and what I've what I've found, and and what I describe in the book, uh, in, in different parts of the book, is that the reaction to that oftentimes is just as damaging. So, what I would just say to all political leaders, the president, you know, those who oppose him, his greatest supporters, anybody that's involved in this vitriolic partisan, uh, you know, d- debate that we have going on right now, a discourse we see, have going on right now. Don't be our own worst enemies. And you know what I wish we could do, Chris, because it never happens. It never happens. On any issue, I wish we could just begin the discussion with what we agree on. Because I think Americans would find, hey, we agree on quite a bit. And we can get to work on quite a bit to make our nation better, to secure a better future for generations to come. And, and, but instead, it seems like we're determined you know, to pull ourselves apart. And as you mentioned, I mean, this is mainly on us, right? I mean, Russia makes it worse. But they don't create these divisions. Mm. You know, I'll tell you in the audience uh, something that will be a little bit surprising, but it goes to your point. You know, when Rudy Giuliani was uh, pushing the first wave of stuff he was getting out of Ukraine, uh, the reporting very quickly went around that people around Rudy were worried about who he was associating with. Um, And not just Andre Durkash, who has now been identified by, or you know, but who's been identified by our intelligence agencies as a Russian tool for their own propaganda. He's a Russian agent. But there were others. And I went to Rudy's guys and I was like, hey, you've got to tell him. And they stopped me and said, you don't think you think you know something we don't know, Cuomo? You know, we're telling him, you know, these guys are bad guys. Um, And I've never heard of that before, where someone that close to a president would mess with people that his friends are telling him. Stay away from these guys. The intel people say, this guy Durkash is no good. Rudy comes on my show and says, they're wrong. Can they be wrong? Yeah. Well, you you know, Chris, what this is indicative of is, I mean, the Russians are really, really good. I mean, Putin himself is a KGB operator, right? He's one of the best liars in the world. And what they try to do is infiltrate our organizations. They try to co-opt elites, build relationships, get compromat on anybody they can so they can use it so they can use it against them. And what, what I describe in, in battlegrounds is, is kind of this fire hose of falsehood they use to, to augment this effort of co-option uh, of elites and to sow disinformation. I mean, you know, this, you know, this, this Kremlin, you know, what they have, what they do is, is really an, an activity you might describe as implausible deniability. I mean, it's quite obvious, right, that they tried to kill Sergei, um, uh, you know, they, they tried to kill uh, Sergei Skripal mm-hmm. in the spring of 2008 and his, and his daughter, and they placed thousands of people at risk with this nerve agent in Salisbury, England. Well, I mean, they're, they're so brazen, they use the same kind of technique to try to kill Navalny. And then, and then they just deny it. Oh, no, that couldn't be us. And actually, Putin had the temerity to suggest that, well, maybe, maybe Navalny poisoned himself with right. a nerve agent. I mean, they, I mean, if, they not, if you're not afraid of being held accountable, and, though, you, know, you can say anything, right? I mean, that's Putin's greatest that's right. uh, shield is right. who's going to do something? 
Come, come and get me. Nobody wants to deal with that. Um, but it's just what a bizarre world when, you know, we have the president and one of his, his own personal lawyer uh, putting out things that the Russians want out there to hurt the democracy. White supremacists, white nationalism. You know, when we bring up that, you know, domestically, these guys are the big concern. People hated hearing that when we were living in fear of Islamism and extremist Islamism. You know, people forget, like they're not still out there. Um, and we'd say, well, white supremacists, we've got to be careful. Oh, no, 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 no. Now you're just trying to make it political because they think white, white nationalism, same thing. What do you want people to know uh, about the reality that it's not just 15 guys at a parade wearing stupid Nazi garb, that there's a reason you guys keep identifying white nationalists? Yeah, I, I think what I'd like people to know is that this is a cycle. It's a cycle that begins with ignorance. Ignorance is used to foment hatred, and hatred is used to justify violence against innocence. And, and there, there, this ignorance is what, is what our enemies can weaponize and, and, what, and what we do to ourselves on social media. Hey, Chris, what's, what's different, I think, about this environment today is the way that these extreme people, these people who, who use this cycle of ignorance and hatred and, and violence, they have a much louder voice because of the algorithms on so, social media that show us more and more extreme com, com, content that, that reinforce rather than challenge our prejudices and, and our biases. And we're being driven apart by that. Also, I think in the pseudo media and even, you know, even our mainstream media now, people who kind of identify with a certain political leanings, they watch like one show on one network instead of, instead of all of us maybe having a common understanding of these issues. So it's a big problem, Chris, and I'm afraid it's getting worse, really, because of the way we, we communicate or really don't communicate with each other. We need to come together for real conversations about these issues. And, and, and you know, what you see today, I think, is this interaction, this interaction of what, I don't know, you might call it you know, identity politics with racism and bigotry, and is creating these centripetal forces that are pulling us apart from each other. We shouldn't tolerate it, right? We, we need to come together as Americans and, and reinforce you know, who we are as a people. We need to reinforce really the principles we all believe in. You know, tolerance, respect for one another, rule of law. And you know what we might even do in the midst of this crazy campaign season is, is celebrate the, the fact that at least we have a say in how we are governed, right? If you're in communist China, Chris, you're, you're not getting a say. In, in, how we're, in how we're governed. You can't demand better from, from your elected officials. We are all in a position to do that. And I think, you know, I think that we, we, we should take that opportunity even in the midst of, of this vitriol that we see every day. It's hard, messaging matters. And we're not hearing a lot of that these days. Uh, General H.R. McMaster, thank you very much. <clears throat> I want to uh, jump the invitation and ask you to come back <clears throat> and come back soon. And let's give people some more specifics about what you want them to look out for during the election right. cycle. If it works for your calendar, I'll make right. it work for ours. I think it would be a great help, especially in the, you know, we only have a few weeks left. Okay? Uh, Chris, I'd be happy to do that. Thanks. Right. Thanks so much. I appreciate the insight. Good luck, good luck with the book. Battlegrounds, the fight to defend the free world. There it is. Thank you very much. All right. Third night of protests over the grand jury decision not to hold any Kentucky police officers accountable for the killing of Breonna Taylor. One of the officers was indicted, but essentially for the bullets that missed, not for the bullets that hit her. Breonna's mother and other family members led a march downtown earlier this evening. Their lawyer is now demanding to see the information presented to the grand jury. 
Why? Well, the attorney for Brianna's boyfriend says the case was designed to let officers off the hook. How can he make that point? How can he back it up? He says he can and he's here to do so. Next. Tonight, once again across America, a third night of protests calling for justice and transparency after no Louisville police officers were directly charged in Breonna Taylor's death. Taylor's family is now calling for the grand jury transcripts to be released. And there's another person who wants the Kentucky AG to release the findings. Kenneth Walker, and that's Brianna's boyfriend who fired when people came in their apartment in the middle of the night, obviously there during the shooting. Walker's attorney, Stephen Romines, joins us now. Why do you want it put out there? The charges were dropped against uh, your client. They're not coming after him anymore. What do you care? Well, actually, they, they dismissed the charges without prejudice, which means they could charge him at any time um, again. Uh, we, we've uh, filed a motion and filed a, uh, an action for the case to be dismissed with, with prejudice so that jeopardy attaches and he can never be charged again for this. Okay. Um, Just so, one so beat that, on him. Is, one beat on him, Counselor, and then I know you have broader concerns as well. On him, he says, I got startled. I didn't know who it was. I didn't hear anything, so I fired. Um, and it makes more sense that he would have hit the officer and, but he says he did it. They dropped the charges. Why isn't that the end of the analysis for you? What did the AG say that you don't like? Well, they framed him, first of all. And, and they alleged he, he fired the shot and indicted him with a minute and 52 seconds of grand jury testimony without any ballistics back at that point in time. The, the ballistics sub subsequently came back from the Kentucky State Police and determined that the shot that they claimed hit Officer Mattingly they could not determine it was fired from Kenny's gun. So the language is a little it, tricky it, in the ballistics report, but isn't it something about how it's consistent with a nine millimeter, which is what he had, and the officers had 40 cows, so it couldn't be them? Well, actually, Officer Brett Hankison, who was indicted, uh, Louisville Metro Police records show he has a uh, nine millimeter service weapon as well. He's the one who disappeared for about four hours after the shooting and no one could locate him. But, and, and he's also the one, uh, Chris, let me say, in his own interview with the police, he's the one who ran around the side of the house and was blindly firing, according to the chief of police who fired him. His testimony was, I kept seeing muzzle flashes, so I fired at the muzzle flashes. Kenny Walker only fired one shot initially. So if he's firing at muzzle flashes by his own testimony, it can only be at other law enforcement officers. And the point is? And, 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 well, the point is, he is, by his own testimony, he's admitting that he is shooting at other law enforcement officers. The other thing is, Officer Mattingly never announced he was shot for over a minute and 12 seconds after the first shot is fired. And... He also doesn't announce until after he is outside, outside and he and another officer trip over each other. By his own testimony, he stated, we fell over each other as we were going out outside. Right, I get it, that but they're going to have explanations that, that for that. Officer he tripped over, that officer he tripped over also carries a 9mm. None of the other officer's weapons were compared with the shot that they say hit Mattingly. Not so, a single one. So I understand so they the want concern. To come to a conclusion, 
and and that they there's a a conclusion that they want to come to, and so they don't investigate anything else that would would contradict that. And you and believe that that that's is the information they gave the grand jury. You believe that there is a pattern of that in this case, uh, obviously I as it regards Kenny Walker, but you also think it goes to the overall analysis of the case as well. I know there's a pattern, Chris. I, I've reviewed the case and. Nothing that the police officers say in their interviews is consistent with one another or is it consistent with the physical evidence in the case? In a way that is different than normal fog of war in these situations? Well, possibly. However, that one of them says that Kenny Walker or Breonna Taylor was in a prone position firing an AR-15. They said they fired 12 to 15 shots. Uh, we know that is not possible because none of those were, were recovered and there was no, no AR-15. We also have them saying, Officer Mattingly says, I was shot and I returned fire four to six shots as I was backing out the door. We've got an, uh, Officer Hoover says, we go in, Mattingly gets shot, I see blood go everywhere and I drag him out the door. One thing we do know is there's no blood in the apartment. Everything they say is inconsistent with one another and inconsistent with the physical evidence in the case. Do you know whether or not the AG presented uh, evidence to the grand jury that would have implicated any of the officers in the death of Breonna Taylor? I do not believe they gave the grand jury an option to charge anyone with a homicide. I also don't believe they gave the grand jury an option to charge the other two officers with anything. But how the could they not? the reason why that is, say, is... But Steve, just help me understand that, because you don't know what they did and what they didn't do, right? Because no, you don't have I, the transcript yet. Motion, but how could I'm this AG... to release it. I understand. But how could this AG not offer the grand jury any type of option or choice or evidence that went to the fact that Breonna Taylor's death was caused by the police officers? Wouldn't he be just asking for trouble by ignoring that? Well, how could he do it in good faith? He couldn't. However, if he does it in bad faith, then, then he can. He could say, that was my decision that, that I determined that they acted in self-defense, and so I didn't want to present it. The reason it, the evidence indicates he did not present it is, when a case is presented to a grand jury in Kentucky, and they choose not to indict, they issue what's called a no true bill. And they actually stamp the the indictment, no true bill, which means the grand jury did not find probable cause to indict. There were zero no true bills returned in this case, which is indicative of the fact that it was never presented to them. However, it couldn't be because the AG did it, not a local prosecutor. Does that change the process at all? It does not change the process. Again, if it's presented to them and they choose not to indict, they return a no true bill. So let's do this. I know you want to get more information. Others are asking for it as well. I'll stay on the story. When you get information that you believe informs your opinion, or I get information that uh, shows that the opinion is off, let's do this again. All right, let's stay on it and get people as much information as we can. And I appreciate you doing it. Let's get them all the information, Chris. Uh, As much as we can. There's no valid reason. There's no valid reason for the attorney general to oppose releasing it all. Well, we'll see. There are going to be a lot of requests. Stephen Romines, thank you very much. Thanks. All right. The calls for justice for Brianna uh, very much echo John Lewis's life mission. 
This weekend, CNN is going to have its own must-see tribute to the lion of the civil rights movement. You can tune in Sunday at 9 Eastern as CNN Films presents John Lewis, Good Trouble. I'll tell you this. It had three generations of my family riveted from 10 to whatever my mother is. We'll be right back. Protests for racial equality and justice in America have been largely peaceful. And by largely, I mean a recent stat places it at well over 90%. But the president wants you to believe this. For the entire summer, Joe Biden was silent as his far left supporters assaulted police officers, harassed innocent Americans and set fire to buildings. You look at Portland. How about Portland? It's like an anarchist dream. If Biden wins, the mob wins. If Biden wins, the rioters, anarchists, arsonists, and flag burners, they win. And he further demonized protesters this week by using the Department of Justice to label three Democratic-run cities, Portland, Seattle, and New York City, as anarchy jurisdictions. Now, a look inside the groups on the streets in Portland will show you just how dangerous this president's efforts might be. CNN's Ellie Reeve got extraordinary access to both sides. Take a look. Do not enter this area. When they start moving, you start moving as well, because they're going to get you. We have a problem in our police department that is systemic. This is one week in Portland, Oregon where anti-police protests have been going on for more than 100 days, and tensions between protesters and police have only escalated. As we got there, a member of the right-wing group Patriot Prayer named Aaron J. Danielson was killed by an anti-fascist protester. Jay loved his country! Everyone we spoke to said they feared violence would escalate. The reason that we're out here is because petitions don't work. Voting for the lesser of two evils just leaves us worse off every time. We come out, we fight. We're not doing this because we hate America. We all have one goal in mind, and that is ending police brutality. Black Lives Matter! People are dying, and if water bottles being thrown at the police stops that, I'll do it every day. How long have you been coming to the protests? The whole time. Since May 29th for me. Our role is basically frontline medic support. No matter where it comes from, it could be tripping in the street, it could be getting pushed into a building, it could be gunshots. We cover it all. I've had to de-escalate about three outside agitators who have come in with guns. They were always far and few in between. It was like some guy who was like, Antifa's terrorists. And we're like, we're not terrorists, man. It's just a protest. Do a lot of people have Weapons? We don't have weapons. We don't so. have weapons. The most weaponized we get is like shields. What do you say to the people who are like, well, I like the peaceful protest, but when they burn stuff or break windows, that's that's different from BLM. I say property doesn't bleed, but I do. If ending systematic oppression means a store gets burnt or looted and nobody's hurt, how is that any worse than living in a situation where I have to fear for my life every day? 
We are on top of the donut shop, which is ironically located across from the Portland Police Union. Often the protests will continue for a couple hours, and then all of a sudden, Get out of the there will be a huge rush of riot cops. Police car behind you! Back in May, when the protest started, did you have a gas mask or any of no, that? No, of course I didn't have a gas mask. I mean, I had face masks for COVID, but none of us had gas masks. I think we've raised about $30,000 this week to buy bulletproof vests because it turns out that we might need them. And that's really terrifying. So I've got a body cam to record things that need evidence in court. I currently have a head injury. Like I, I'm still recovering from a TBI. It was back when we were still under the federal occupation. That was July, right? Yeah. But yeah, no, they shot me directly in the head with a tear gas canister and then I got post-concussion syndrome like 22 hours later, so. Something I've kind of noticed in just a few protests that we've attended is that there's a moment of kind of party feeling, you stand in front of the police, but then there's a moment where it kind of like gets quiet and it's like there's a tension. It seems to almost be inviting the confrontation, like that the protest can't end without that clash. Yes, a big part of what's happening here is that it has to be uncomfortable. Well, before we even came out of the park, the uh, LRAD over there decided to announce that it was an unpermitted march. People were not happy, so people started marching. Someone threw some incendiary devices, and all hell broke loose. And there was tear gas flying in, fireworks. It was really rough, and they're making a push. How do you see it ending? I'm not sure. We haven't seen much of any change, but the people out here are activists, and maybe they didn't start as activists, and that carries on for the rest of your life. President Trump has warned Antifa will ruin the suburbs. Does anybody want to have somebody from Antifa as a resident of your suburb? I don't think so. You, Antifa! We don't want your marching both sides say they act only in self-defense. But in person, things get out of hand quickly. As far as Patriot Prayer, we do not condone violence. That's not what we're about. I can't speak for some of these other guys, but in the end, we all love our country and support our president. This is some kind of weird civil war. I don't see it as that yet, but eventually it could lead to that because the whole BLM Antifa movement has just gotten more and more and more violent as time progresses. Enough! Enough! And it's, it's literally across the nation and we're tired of it. It's time for us as patriotic citizens to take back our cities. And if it means, by violent means, we'll have to do it. Ellie Reeve, CNN, Portland. It's a great deep look by Ellie Reeve and her team, but what an obvious takeaway, I hope, for all of you. Boy, does this situation cry out for leadership.
We have to be better than this. We'll be right back. Thank you for watching CNN Tonight with D. Lemon starts right now. Our Jewish brothers and sisters uh, celebrate the high holiday uh, 10 days after their new year, Yom yeah. Kippur, the Day yeah. of Atonement. And I'm asking all of them to pray for all of us. <laughs> pray for all of us. Boy, yeah. oh boy, we can we use need it. it. I was just, you, you took the words out of my mouth. Um, happy Yom Kippur for, to everyone. But here's the thing. What a week. Let's think about it. We got a pandemic. We've got a presidential election. The first debate is about to come up. We have uh, unrest in the street. We have racial issues. We have a president who's lying, a president who says he's uh, he's not for the peaceful transition of power. I mean, what's next? Seriously, I had H.R. McMaster on tonight, Lieutenant General. You know, he's the National Security yeah. Advisor in there for a while. He is talking about what Russia wants to happen here. It's uh, they and I'm we're doing it for them for free. Trump. And he is echoing all of it. Yeah. He got impeached in part because of the stupidity of the people around him and who they met with. His own lawyer is meeting with a guy they're telling him yeah. is a Russian agent. Yeah. And he says they're wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's just so and bizarre. Because the, the FBI director is not saying what he wants him to say. He should resign. But he's, he's got it wrong. Uh, listen, it's, it's really, it's really, really, really... Um, I was talking to a friend today and she said, my spirit is crushed, especially after Breonna Taylor, I, I, my spirit is crushed. And I tried to cheer her up and say, you know, this is America. We all, I'm gonna talk about how much power we do have as, as the American people. But there are a lot of people whose spirits are crushed and not because, you know, it's, this isn't like he's not my president thing. It's because people believe the lies. There's a big portion of this country that believes in the lies of this man. And this has nothing to do with Republican or Democrat, because I, I am neither. This president lies to the very people he supports. He puts them in danger. He has them believing things that are not real. He is changing um, the social outlook and the, so and the way people think uh, in this country, what they think is right. He's changing all of that. And it is, we're in an upside down world because of this man. And not only that, look how many people died because he handled this pandemic so poorly, saying it's a hoax and telling people that they didn't have to wear masks. You know, in a weird way, he acts like somebody with nothing to lose. You know how when you were growing up, somebody told you, he doesn't, don't fight with that guy. He's got nothing to lose. You've got something to lose. Don't do it. He acts like he's got nothing to lose. He will mm. trash the election. He knows the DOJ is investigating what happened in Pennsylvania with that handful of ballots. He knows what happened. Those are his guys. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't have to be. He says, oh, you don't know. Who knows what happened in a stream? What stream? Yeah. Stream of consciousness is more like it because these words just like fly out of his mouth like some river of effluvium. Yeah, well. Um, but it's dangerous stuff, Don, I got to tell you. And look, people feel their spirits are crushed because it's all so negative. That's what I mean. It's everything is negative. I mean, he that hasn't comes said out. a nice thing about anybody but himself hoax, in like seven months. Hoax, mobs, it's, I mean, you know, everything is negative. I did a word, I did a, an experiment as I was uh, listening to his speech and I was just writing down the words that came out of his mouth and everything was just so negative. Yeah. He's not trying to bring people together. He's trying to push people apart. And what an opportunity. We talk about this all the time, Chris, you and I do. What an opportunity we had after George Floyd 
to bring this country together, especially on the third rail in the society, which is race. An opportunity for people, because people's guards were down. They saw that man dying uh, on the sidewalk with an officer, just such callous um, and, and wanton disregard for human life. That opened a lot of people up, right? And you know it and I know it. Friends from everywhere, people calling. What do I do? Give me the language to talk about this. Oh my gosh, Don, you and I talking about it on the air. If this president had leaned into that spirit, imagine where we would be that today. And guess what? He'd probably be just bumping, jamming in all the polls, yeah. right? Because people would be like, whoa, whoa, he gets it. Right. But instead, The bar is so low for him to do something right. I mean, yeah. even now, you know, with schools and kids in the pandemic, I mean, you know, who doesn't want to help kids? He could still do it. He who doesn't want say, businesses to open? Who doesn't? But he could still say, I'm going to take this over. The states aren't getting it done. I'm going to get our kids back in school. We're going to buy all the tests. We're going to make all the tests. Here we go. He just doesn't do these things. And then people will say to us, well, you know, you're negative, too. It reminds me of talking to Chacha, my 10-year-old. I'll say to her, hey, don't talk like that to somebody. And she says, well, listen to how you right now. You're negative, too. I said, no, no, no. (laughs) I'm pointing out what you said. That doesn't make me negative. It is. He Um, is a, I know you are, but what am I? That's the kind of guy he is. And what is that? That's juvenile behavior. But it works. But look, the job's never been more important. I will see you this weekend. I have a lot. We have all kinds of secret stuff planned behind your back, Christina and I. So I'll see you this week. Yeah, can't tell you. Lots going on. Are you paying for it? Uh, No, you are. Thank you, you, sir. (laughs) I love you more. I'll see you later. This is CNN. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.